In Luke 18, we read the words of our Lord Jesus where he tells us we should always pray and not give up. He spoke a parable to them saying that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by a continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge him speedily. This is the word of God. We either praying or we have given up. And today, the 12th of November, is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted. This grew out of a meeting that was held in Chicago about 30 years ago. Berlin Wall had come down, the Iron Curtain had collapsed in answer to the seven-year Jericho prayer march. And there was a desire, how do we keep this momentum going on praying for the persecuted church? Yes, Eastern Europe is now free for the gospel, but what about the other parts of the world where Christians are persecuted? North Korea, China, and so on. And we decided that the best date to choose would be the second Sunday in November, close to the 9th of November when we remember the fall of the Berlin Wall, and the 11th of November when one remembers those who have died in the wars, the Remembrance Day, Armistice Day, over the years. Well, Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, Frontline Fellowship, and other missions of Persecute Church launched IDOP, International Day of Prayer for the Persecute, more than 30 years ago, 1990. So about 33 years ago. And by God's grace, it's grown to become the biggest prayer movement in the world. About 300,000 congregations participated in it last year. We told in the Bible to pray without ceasing. In fact, we hear what God's will is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for us to be prayerful, joyful, thankful, and as much to thank God for. But we are involved in the spiritual world war. And in the daily battles of life, many people are tempted to despair and depression or fatigue. We see so much anti-Christian prejudice increasing, intolerance, violence, crime, corruption, all kinds of compromise and evil, and terrorism in the Middle East. But there is hope. God is sovereign. There is power in prayer, and the Word of God is powerful. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We are not doomed to defeat. Christians are called to victory. If God can change you, then God can use you to change some part of your world. And we can actually change the course of history in through prayer and obedience to God. The Bible is full of examples of believers who, through faith, conquered kingdoms. And recent history confirms the power of prayer. When I was converted to Christ in 1977, a missionary from Overseas Missionary Fellowship, what had previously been China in their mission, came to Pines Baptist Church and urged us to pray for God to open the doors to Red China. Now, even as we prayed, my heart was filled with unbelief. How could a communist country like China ever be open to the gospel again? And yet, Mao Zedong's Little Red Book got discredited, Mao Zedong died, and the doors to China became more and more open. 
we questioned whether there were any Christians left in China in 1977. Now we know there's about 120 million Christians in China. About 2 or 3 million Christians when the communists took over in 1949 and they killed them all. And yet somehow or another, by God's grace, the church in China is one of the biggest churches in the world today. 120 million Christians in China, at least according to Operation World, and, and growing. Well, in 1979 I was working at Hospital Christian Fellowship and we had Brother Andrew of God Smuggler fame come to take devotions. And Brother Andrew gave us a vision of Project Pearl. He said, with the growth of the church in China, we need to smuggle Bibles into China. And his vision was to smuggle one million Bibles into Red China in one night. The biggest Bible smuggling operation ever. And I was skeptical about it, but when I came back from my two years military service to Hospital Christian Fellowship, Brother Andrew was again there as our guest speaker in our devotions at Hospital Christian Fellowship. And he gave the report back on how they'd succeeded in smuggling a million Bibles into China on a remote coastline and had it distributed throughout the country. Very few of those Bibles were intercepted. Now China's not free yet. The massacre of Chinese protesters in Tiananmen Square in 1979 shows that. It was in 1989. Correct, 1989. And, uh, but China, the church, is growing. When I first started praying for Mozambique, 1981, it was firmly close to the gospel. Many of my friends thought I was foolish to take a motorbike and a thousand gospels, a hundred New Testaments of Jesus all in Portuguese, and seek to smuggle uh, Bibles behind the uh, Iron Curtain, so to speak, into communist, China, uh, communist Mozambique. But God opened the doors time and again, and we managed to smuggle in tons of Bibles and relief aid and show Christian films like the Jesus film in Portuguese and Shangon throughout Mozambique. The first time I showed the Jesus film in Mozambique, it was quite terrifying, pitch dark, car failure, and uh, we had, in the dark, I saw people coming forward, and as folks started, I saw the camouflage uniforms, the AK-47s, a whole lot of Filimo troops are coming to the front. Now I've been told, when you preach, preach like a dying man to dying men. Like it could be the last chance you've got to preach and the last opportunity your audience has to hear the gospel. Well, that seemed very realistic then. And then they put the AKs on the ground and they knelt down and they wanted to surrender their life to Christ. I had the opportunity of leading communist troops to Christ and baptizing Philemos to Christ later. In 1986, as Samora Michel's persecution of Christians intensified, I published the Mozambique report, which today is republished as in the killing fields of Mozambique. And we launched a campaign of prayer for the suffering Christians in Mozambique. And while I didn't have the faith that God would stop the persecution in Mozambique, we mobilized prayer for that. While churches were praying for God to stop the persecution in Mozambique, a thunderstorm uh, hit the whole of the eastern Transvaal and Samora Michelle's Tupelov plane flying back from Zimbabwe, it had been Harare, they'd met with Mugabe and Gwanda and others, planning how to overthrow Malawi, a Christian country. And while Christians were praying, the entire Politburo of Filimo, the communist leadership of Mozambique, died in a plane crash in the Lubombo Mountains, very close to Schildendal, where Christ has got a mission today. And on board the plane was the plans to overthrow Malawi. And that was published, translated, we have published them around the world, and Malawi was saved. 
uh, from the plans of Marxist had to turn it into a communist dictatorship. Well, Samora Michel, just 40 days before that, had stood up publicly in the Red Star Stadium in Maputo, same stadium where Uncle Lolo preached some years later. And he said, there is no God, I can prove it to you. And Samora Michel cursed God, blasphemed the name of Jesus and said, I dare you God, strike me dead. If you exist, strike me dead in 60 seconds. He counted off the seconds, at the end he said, time's up God, God does not exist, I do. God is dead, I'm alive. Well, 40 days later, Samora Michel was dead and it was obvious God is alive. And today, there's 34% of Mozambique would count themselves as Christians. When I started my work in Mozambique in 1981, there were not even 4% of the people in Mozambique would count themselves Protestants, not 4%. According to Operation World, that's increased now to 34%. Mozambique is now open to the gospel, and Bibles can go into the country, they're Christian schools, the communist government fell, they renounced Marxism, opened up to free enterprise, one man, one vote, multi-party democracy, freedom of the press, and our freedom of religion as well. And we can see the church in Mozambique has mushroomed, grown dramatically, almost a thousand percent, from four percent to thirty-four percent. Phenomenal growth. When I started praying for the Christians in Angola, they were under the Marxist dictator Agostino Neto. And Neto declared, I've destroyed the Bible. Within 20 years you'll have to go to a museum to see what a Bible looks like. I've eradicated the Bible, there won't be a Christian or a Bible left on the face of Angola in 20 years. And shortly after that, Dos Santos died, uh, I should say Neto died uh, on an operating table in Moscow, strange circumstances. And his successor, Dos Santos, showed a marked lack of enthusiasm for church burning. And the situation in Angola has dramatically changed. Now churches are freely able to operate in a country which was severely closed and persecuted. When I first saw the Berlin Wall, 1988, and the crosses in memory of those who had died being shot in the back trying to escape from East Berlin to West Berlin, I wept and I prayed, like so many others did, that God would bring down this evil structure dividing Berlin, dividing, in fact, the whole of Germany and the whole of Europe, this Iron Curtain, and prayed that as the Lord had demolished the walls of Jericho, so he demolished this wall. Well, 1981, I came out of my military service and there was Brother Andrew again at Devotions at Hospital Christian Fellowship and he informed us of a new prayer initiative, the seven-year Jericho Prayer March. As the children of Israel were ordered in Joshua chapter 6 to march around the walls of Jericho once every day for six days and on the seventh day to march seven times around and on the seventh time to give a great shout and blowing of the trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell down. And so, inspired by that passage, the Leipzig prayer meeting had been started. Leipzig, Germany, people gathering with candles. And the symbolism was, not all the darkness can put out a single candle. Light is more powerful than darkness. The light of Christianity is greater than the power of communist darkness. And so the people would come back from their marches uh, with these candles and in a darkened home put a candle in the w window ledge of their home with the curtains open and you could just see these silent testimonies of protest against communism and atheism and speaking up of the light of Christ. Well, we launched the seven year Jericho prayer march beginning of 1982. 1989 
Poland first, Czechoslovakia and Hungary and Germany, Berlin Wall came down 9th of November and ultimately the last of the dictatorships in East Europe, Romania under Ceausescu, toppled on Christmas Day. The people are dancing in the streets, Dracula is dead, the Antichrist has been killed on Christmas Day and the church bells rang throughout Romania and for the first time in 42 years people were able to celebrate Christmas in Romania, open. And that was just one incredible answer to prayer. 1989 was an incredible year. Our army had defeated the Cubans and the Soviets in Angola. We had won the war in Angola. Um, I got married in 1989, joined Bill Bathman in smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to Czechoslovakia, Romania, Yugoslavia, Hungary, and ministering in Romania. And at the end of the year, we saw the whole of Eastern Europe opened up to the gospel, the Iron Curtain collapsed, the Berlin Walls fallen, and new opportunities for ministry throughout the whole of Eastern Europe. Who could have imagined that being possible? Albania declared itself the first truly atheistic state in the world in 1966. They closed the last church, killed the last minister, and there was no more Christianity in Albania, they said. But when I went to Albania in 1991, I found tens of thousands of people packing the churches as the church were reopening. The communists had been overthrown, the statues to Lenin and Stalin were toppled, and, and Albania was opening up to the gospel. Zephaniah 2.11 says, The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the land. The nations on every shore will worship him, each one his own land. In 2011, on 9th of July, we had another great momentous answer to prayer, when South Sudan broke away from Sudan. The government of Sudan had issued Sharia law, Islamic law, was persecuting Christians from 1955. And that became major mission emphasis of mine in the 1990s, going into Sudan multiple times. We smuggled in hundreds of thousands of Bibles into Sudan. And ultimately, we saw South Sudan's struggle for self-determination, for secession, successful. And the youngest country in the world was born 9th of July 2011. South Sudan, in answer to prayer, had a date with destiny. It marked the culminative effect of many years of intensive prayer, like what the Lord taught us to do in Luke 18. We should always pray and not give up. Persistent prayer and pressure provides pr protection for the persecutors. When I was locked up in prison in Zambia and in Mozambique back in the 80s, it was the prayer of the saints and protests outside embassies that organized and orchestrated our release. God opens prison doors and sets the captives free. There is power in prayer. And we are told in Psalm 2 verse 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. Well, this is what we are seeking to pray for on days like this. Praying for God to open prison doors and set the captives free. Christians are being persecuted for their faith around the world today. One in every seven Christians in the world lives under a government that persecutes Christianity. One in seven worldwide. Two out of every five Christians in Asia live under persecution. One out of every five Christians in Africa live under persecution. The freest continent in the world is Latin America. Only one in every 15 Christians in Latin America lives under persecution. But this is a reality today. And with increase of terrorism in the Middle East, so many people are talking about we need to bomb them, we need to have war with Iran and so on. I've got a much better idea. Instead of sitting in the Marines, how about sitting in the missionaries? Instead of pulverizing them with bombs, how about bombarding them with prayer? 
I received a vision back during an all-night prayer meeting in the South African Infantry back in 1981 when we had a Bible study and prayer fellowship meeting every night of our military service. God gave us a vision as we were praying through Operation World of recruiting Christians to take the gospel into communist lands. They are coming to us with bombs. Have we ever gone to them with Bibles? They are coming to us with hate. Have we, ever, have we ever gone to them with love? How many missionaries in South Africa sent to Cuba or to Russia? And at that stage we didn't know of any. Praise God, many since then. And so the vision was to go on the attack. The best form of defense is attack. The frontline states, Angola, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, they called themselves the frontline states. They were in the frontline of the war against us. Well, we were in the frontline of the battle in Angola, and so frontline fellowship was named in such a way that we were counterattacking the communist countries, the so-called frontline states, with the gospel. And I've since then had the privilege of showing Christian films like the Jesus film in Shona, in Bemba, in Chichewa, in Arabic, in Portuguese, leading communists to Christ, counseling Muslims to the Messiah. And I believe the very best solution to terrorism today is to undermine terrorism with evangelism. What we need to do is design gospel literature, booklets and tracts to reach revolutionaries and radicals with the gospel of Christ. And they need redemption. And so we've been designing not any tracts like the world's greatest revolutionary, which I've distributed thousands of at communist rallies, and uh, films like the Jesus film that we're putting on SD cards, micro SD cards that can even be seen on, on people's phones, and uh, flash drives taking real freedom to freedom fighters, uh, the gospel for guerrillas, tracks for terrorists, messages for militants, redemption for revolutionaries, transforming terrorists into evangelists. David was a conqueror. David killed Goliath. That's a great achievement. But Jesus is more than a conqueror. He took Saul, the persecutor of the church, and he told him into Paul, the missionary and apostle of the church. I believe what we need to do in these days is to respond to terrorism with evangelism. We need to be winning our enemies to Christ. We need to evangelize our enemies. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we know people who used to be terrorists, used to be Hamas, used to be PLO, who today are evangelists for Christ. And there are wonderful testimonies. I took part with a converted PLO terrorist in producing the Islam Rising DVDs, where he gives his testimony also on how he came to Christ. And there are people who trained in Patricia Lumumba University, the Communist Revolutionary University for Terrorists in Russia, who today are evangelists for Christ. This is the solution. We need to be able to have the attitude of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to us the most parts of the earth. In Ephesians 2 and verse 6, we read, The command of the Lord, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, 
having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of Spirit. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. As we pray for the persecuted church, let's also pray for our enemies and that we will be quick to see the opportunities God gives us to evangelize our enemies and to give tracts to terrorists, the gospel for guerrillas. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank and praise you for who you are. You are our creator and our eternal judge. You are our redeemer and our savior, our Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you would mercifully and graciously open our eyes that we may have the vision to see the fields ripe unto harvest and to recognize the power of prayer, the power of praying the Psalms, our prayer of praying scriptures and seeking you to change history, to open prison doors, to set the captives free. Just as you brought down the Berlin Wall 34 years ago, Lord God, we pray, Lord, that you would break down the curtain that keeps us from Red China, from North Korea, from the Christians in the Middle East. May you, Lord, mercifully and graciously bring freedom and relief to our brethren who are suffering persecution in the Middle East today. We pray, Lord, that you would mobilize more prayer for the persecuted churches, more action on their behalf. Have mercy upon us, Lord God. Make us more faithful to your word, more effective in your service. Make us, we pray, Lord God, more diligent and believing and bold in prayer. As we pray for you to undermine those who are seeking to persecute your people, that we may see a new birth of freedom and the fulfillment of the Great Commission in our lifetime. We pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.